out of the sky My dreams went crashing When you said goodbye Who'd think that after all I've been to you That you and I would be through Hello and welcome to the HP Lovecraft Book Club. Uh, so currently we're working our way through the final collaborations. Um, uh, so this my source material here, I've been drawing a lot from this, um, is the H.P. Lovecraft, The Complete Fiction Omnibus, Collaborations in Ghostwriting. So this collection is, is three volumes. It's all the public domain. Uh, you know, all Lovecraft stuff is public domain, pretty much. So this was put together by Pulplet Productions uh, out of Oregon. And um, so a lot of the editorial kind of comments... The background of these stories I get from from there, so I don't think I, I revealed that fully, but uh, I know there's debate about, you know, the, you know, how much Lovecraft in, was involved in each of these collaborations or whatever, and you know, you could probably read I Am Providence to, to find out even more about those debates and the and all that, but I'm just kind of going from what the editors say here, so, um, so that's that um so if you want a good collection this is it's free you can just download it um uh, an ebook version of it uh also they put together a bunch of other collections of of uh of pulp fiction uh, robert e howard's conan stories john carter's trilogy Algernon blackwood etc so anyways, uh, I don't think I mentioned that yet, but that's what I'm basing it off of. So I've looked at all the stories in this collection. If there are other Lovecraft uh, collaborations, ghost writings, things like that, that, you know, they might be out there, um, but I'm probably not going to look at them. I've looked at enough, I think. So uh, today we're going to look at William Lumley and H.P. Lovecraft's The Diary of Alonzo Typer. Uh, this was written in 1935. It would be published in Weird Tales in February 1938. Um, so it's it's something that Lumley wrote, and then Lovecraft substantially revised it. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the actual writing of the story is Lovecraft's, but the overall plot is um, is I guess Lumley's. But apparently, the story wasn't that good when it first came to Lovecraft. And he kind of worked on it, massaged it into a, a pretty good story, I, I think. Um, so, actually, I think the most interesting thing about this story is is the introductory comments. So, once again, we have a diary um, being the main device for telling the story, something we've seen a lot in these revisions. Um, so, in this case, it's literally the diary of Alonzo Typer, someone who uh, basically ends up living in a haunted house um, uh, around Walpurgis Night. So it's set over about a month uh, predating Walpurgis Night. So the climax of the story is on April 30th, uh, 1908. I think it starts April 7th. So it's about, I guess, two weeks, three weeks or so of the character's life. So we get daily um, entries. But for me, the most interesting part is what comes before. It's the editor's note. Uh, which is the person who published this uh, Diary of Alonso Typer, giving the background on Typer himself. 
and he just seems an interesting character uh, that, you know, I was actually hoping for a much more worldly global globetrotting type of story when I started reading this editor's note that comes before the, the story. For instance, listen to this. At various times, Mr. Typer traveled extensively, sometimes dropping out of sight for long periods. He is known to have visited obscure spots in Nepal, India, Tibet, and Indochina, and passed most of the year in 1899 on mysterious Easter Island. The extensive search for Mr. Typer after his disappearance yielded no result, and his estate was divided. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's a... There's like a really fascinating history here. There's even a bit more here associated with Native Americans. Quote, Around the dreaded house, the a straggling village arose, populated by Indians and later by renegades from the surrounding country, which bore the dubious name of Shorazin. Of the singular hereditary strange, which afterwards appeared in the mixed Shorazin villagers, several monographs have been written by ethno ethnologists. Just beyond the village and in sight of the Vandar Hill House is a steep hill crowned with peculiar ring of ancient standing stones, which the Iroquois regarded with fear and loathing. Unquote. So that gets us into the story, but um, I found that background, the, the narrative style of the editor's note, more fascinating than the diary itself. I found the diary a little bit uh, more tedious. This might just be my, me having kind of Lovecraft fatigue and fatigue with some of these stories. Um, but it's compelling. It's like a good story. But maybe I'm just feeling a bit of the Lovecraft fatigue um, that kind of put some clouds over over my feelings on this story but it certainly is fun um, um and it's a it's kind of a it's a kind of story we've seen before too i guess where we have a man in a house digging into his own past his own family history um and you know finding books entering into some kind of uh, cosmic pact we've got rituals we got uh outer gods being awakened um, we have local traditions we have uh, a lot on family history so it's a uh, it's piecing together we see here Lumley literally piecing together a lot of things from weird fiction of the time and especially like Lovecraft type of motifs there's a little bit of like the shunned house here um, not the shunned house sorry uh, the lurking fear where we have a character who finds out uh, that the people he's investigating are actually his own ancestors um, you have a little bit like rats in the wall where, you know, kind of go down into the cellar and find weird stuff going on there. So there's, there's a mixture of these different Lovecraft stories in it. And it's written, I think it's written kind of like a Lovecraft story. I think you can really tell Lovecraft's hand in this one. Um, now the editor here says that Lovecraft tried to preserve Lumley's style as much as possible, but very much this feels like a Lovecraft tale. Um. So basically, uh, the story, there's not a whole, mu whole lot much to it, is that this kind of globetrotting adventurer, uh, scholar type, Alonzo Typer, vanishes, um, like he's prone to do because he travels all, all around the world. But it turns out he's, he vanished near this house in upstate New York, which is, of course, where the lurking fear does take place. I think there's some correlations with that story. Um, and you have local Indian traditions kind of warning about this place. And so you have this house and up on the hill you have these standing stones, which is kind of a, it's going to turn out to be a ritual site. And no one really knows what happens to him. But then they found the diary of Alonzo Typer 
and then this, it's being published. So to give kind of a story about what happened. Quote, the text of the diary is given verbatim without comment. Passages that have proven impossible to read are here represented as fully as possible with dashes substituting indecipherable letters. How to interpret it and what, other than the writer's madness to infer from it, the reader must decide for himself. Only the future can tell what value may be in solving a generational mystery. It may be remarked that the genealogists confirm Mr. Typer's belated memories in the matter of Adrian Slight. So, okay, then we jump into the uh, into the story, uh, or which is the diary itself, which comprises the rest of the story. Um, so he goes to this place in upstate New York, and once again we have like backward people. The Indians who are mentioned in the introduction don't come up really in the story itself, but we know there's some connection between uh, with Walpurgis Night, and Walpurgis Night becomes sort of a uh, a ticking clock in the story as we get closer and closer to that we know something is supposed to happen on Walpurgis Night and of course the last time we saw Walpurgis Night so prominently in one of Lovecraft's uh, stories would be the uh, the Dreams of the Witch House a story as you know I, I quite like um, so we also have a shunned house here where the local population doesn't want anything to do with this do with this house um, quote the whole place seemed fully furnished Though most of the furniture is breaking down. It is written it is written at eight o'clock after a cold meal for my traveling case. After this, the village people will bring me supplies, though they won't agree to come any closer than the ruins of the park gate until, as I say later, I wish I could get rid of the unpleasant feeling of familiarity with this place. So it's shunned, you got the familiarity with it through kind of some kind of genetic memory, through his family history. It's only revealed later that he is part of this family and therefore the inheritor of this ritual and the one supposed to perform it. So in that sense, it's also kind of like the festival, I guess. The festival has that same idea where someone comes to a place, finds out his family history is connected to it. Or in that case, in the festival, he knew it, but he didn't know what was all involved in the ritual. Um, but that's what we get. Now, what's really kind of added to this story that gives it a special character i guess is the folk is the is the portraits so this house has all these portraits um and the portraits he has some kind of weird connection to um they seem hideous and, and vicious but he can't stop looking at them they seem to be looking at him so you got a lot of that kind of haunted house motif of the pictures but it's obviously we've seen lovecraft deal with art before but I don't think he's quite played with portraits as much. Maybe, I guess, in the case of Charles Dexter Ward, a, a portrait plays a major role there. Um, you know, the portrait of, of, of Kerwin. But here he does a lot with the different portraits. Lumley and Lovecraft, I should say, do a lot with the portraits. Quote, above the fireplace was a moldy painting, which I found on close inspection to be that of a, of a young woman in a dress of the late 18th century. The face is of classic beauty, yet with the most fiendishly evil expression which I had ever known the human countenance to bear. Not mere callousness, greed, and cruelty, but some quality hideousness beyond human comprehension seemed to sit upon the finely carved features. And it looked, it seemed to me, that the artist, or the slow process of decay and mold, had imparted to that pallid complexion a sickly green cast, and at least suggested of the almost imperceptible scaly texture. Um... So that's going to add to the, there's going to be connections between that kind of scaly texture and the greenishness to the creatures that seem to live in the cellar. So I guess that's what I'll come to 
Um, well, I guess another kind of thing we see here before I get to the cellar is kind of the lost knowledge is that while he's in this house, he's digging around and smelling around for books and history and things like that. And we eventually have an info dump uh, that comes from him, you know, reading a, a, a diary, right? A bit lazy, um, but, you know, forgivable, I guess. Um, I, I was just actually reading Jerusalem's Lot by Stephen King, and that has that same problem. It's actually a very similar story in which you have someone in a house. Uh, the house is is haunted. There's some kind of family history connection. There's, uh, I guess there's not, in the, in the Chapel Wade adaptation, there's pictures. Uh, I don't know if there's pictures. I don't remember their pictures in the story itself, but there's the searching for information about the house and the family connection to it. And then there's a diary that presents sort of an info dump um, to get, provide the backstory. Very, very similar structure uh, in, in that story written, of course, like 50 years later um, by, by King. Um, so, but anyways, we get this deep knowledge revealed. Uh, All the afternoon and evening I read in the manuscript book of old Klaus von der Heel, and what I read will cloud and make horrible whatever period of life lies ahead of me. The genesis of the world and of the previous worlds unfloated itself before my eyes. I learned of the city Shambhalaba, built by the Lemurians 50 million years ago, yet involitates still behind its walls of psychic force in the eastern desert. I learned of the book of Dizan, whose first six chapters antedate the earth and which was old when the lords of Venus came through ships in their sh uh, in their ships to civilize our planet. End quote. Which is it's kind of interesting because the next story, he's got kind of like a science fiction angle there in the deep history. Of course, I don't know if that comes from Lumley or Lovecraft. We've seen Lovecraft kind of play with cosmic history before. Of course. But in The Walls of Eryx is the next revision we're going to look at. It's set on Venus. It's actually a, a straight-up sci-fi story, but you get uh, kind of a, a cosmic war in the form of a maze there. But anyways, these diaries become like the info dump that reveal the deep history, reveal the background, and eventually reveal some of the family history to it. Now, as we get closer to Walpurge's Night, our narrator, our diary author, Alonzo Typer, eventually discovers the standing stones on the hill outside um, the, the house. And these standing stones are, are some kind of uh, place where the ritual is supposed to um, take place. Meanwhile, he starts to explore the cellar a little bit. Now he's periodically drawn to the cellar, but also fearful and wants to avoid the cellar. But he gets down there, and while he's down there, he sees things. Primarily, he sees like hands, those scaly hands kind of coming at him. So, uh, so that's basically it. And then the climax, well, there's a big iron door down in the cellar, which he's afraid to open, and he doesn't really know how to open. Um, as his knowledge develops about uh, his, his family history and the ritual, he starts to learn it, and he starts rehearsing the chant that is supposed to, uh, I guess, bring forth these, this outer god. And these nameless things, as he calls them. Quote, I've been rehearsing the chant that will transfigure the nameless things, yet strange fears assail me when I utter the syllables under my breath. Piecing all evidence together, I have now discovered that the only way to it is through the lock cellar vault. That vault was built for the hellish purpose and must cover the hidden, hidden burrow leading to the immemorial lair. What guardians live endlessly within, flourishing from century to century, 
on an unknown nourishment only the mad may conjecture. The warlocks of this house, who called them out of inner earth, have known them too well, and the shocking portraits and memories of the place reveal. Unquote. So that, that paragraph, which comes towards the end of the story, sort of sums up pretty much all you, th- all you need to know about what's going on in the story. Um, but anyways, he's... Finally, Walpurgis Knights come, and he does this ritual. And the end of the story, after he does the ritual and awakens the nameless things, you have a Dagon-style ending where he's sort of being dragged away while still writing the diary at the end. Um, so anyways, that's more or less the plot. There's some details here and there, but it really did remind me of that Jerusalem plot story, which uh, isn't a very great King story. It's one of his first written when he was in college or I think even maybe high school. Uh, only published in Night Shift in, in 1978. But very, very similar tale, um, even with the kind of the ritual, uh, the family history, the, the narrative style. Uh, here's the diary that in, that, in Jerusalem's lot, it's, a, it's, it's, it's letters. But there it is. That's uh, the Diary of Alonso Typer. So it's a lot of fun. I just, uh, you know, I, I will say one thing uh, is like Lovecraft putting like, deep cosmic history in these things it becomes such a it's it becomes such an obvious lovecraft connection we're going to see this again with challenge from beyond the final story we're going to be looking at where you have a a story which is kind of cool and fun and then lovecraft just decides well i'm going to throw in their deep cosmic history um which is fine but it's it's how is this stuff known it's like it's the same kind of feeling of i have a little bit uncertainty with through the gates of the silver key now, it's explained away because that's Randolph Carter himself telling the story. But the idea that someone could just like dig around in some books and find out things that happened 50 million years ago or whatever, it's, it's, you know, it's a bit hard to believe, right? I prefer the narrative style of like Call of Cthulhu or uh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Either you're dealing with more human scale time or, or things are just more, much more mysterious and rooted in in deep, deep traditions, um, like the Cthulhu cult itself. It's kind of a vernacular tradition that gets carried on by word of mouth. Um, it's not just something you can dig up in a book or a newspaper account, as in this story. So I guess the, the info dump of the deep history, how that's done, I guess, is, is what I'm, I'm questioning the realism of, I suppose. Yeah, we're talking about realism in a Lovecraft story, but it just it's getting harder for me to kind of suspend my disbelief uh, in aspects of the story like that. And I don't think you need it. You don't need to necessarily go back to what happened 50 million years ago when the Venusians colonized Earth to make this story frightening and and real. But on the other hand, maybe that's all Lumley's contribution here. Maybe that was what he did. Um, and Lovecraft worked around it. But it's it smells Lovecraftish to me. Um, anyways, I guess that's it. I, I think this story is fine. It just has a lot of elements that you're going to be familiar with if you read Lovecraft stories. You got the the house, the family history, the old books, the ritual, the outer gods, the deep history. You got. Uh, I wish there would be more with the townspeople and the Indians. And maybe Alonzo Typer's own history of exploration, because uh, he 
was all over the world. So there's not much impact that seems to have. We're told he was a globetrotter and explorer and, and went all over the world. But we don't get a sense that that's contributing that much to his his current plight. Um, you know, he's not bringing some amulet he found in Easter Island or something, which would have been kind of, I think, cool and would have added more to the story. Um, as it is, it's, it's just a haunted house uh, kind of tale. So uh, I guess that's it. I guess that's all I'm going to say about the Diary of Alonso Typer. Um, in the next episode, I'll be looking at uh, the Kenneth J. Sterling Lovecraft uh, collaboration in the Walls of Eric's. Kenneth J. Sterling wrote this when he was quite young, I think 15 or so, and uh, Lovecraft helped him revise it. Basically kind of did a thorough rewrite the same way with uh, the Alonzo Typer story. Now, Kenneth Sterling would later become a doctor. So he wouldn't become a major uh, weird fiction sci-fi writer. But the story is notable nonetheless because it is sold to us much more as a as a sci-fi story. Now, he's written sci-fi before Lovecraft has, you know, at the Mountains of Madness, Color Out of Space. But this one is set on Venus. It's ex space explorers, you know. It's much more of the golden age of science fiction kind of setting. Um, and that certainly we haven't seen before in Lovecraft. It's horror in space. Um, and then you have kind of uh, a maze, uh, literally a maze being the, the device of horror, which goes way back to, I think, the beast in the cave, maybe, uh, where we've seen a similar type of story. Or maybe the, the cabocones under... under uh, Kerwin's Manor in the case of Charles Dexter Ward. So we've seen it before, but it's really well done in this story, the maze aspect of it. But that'll be for the next episode. So anyways, uh, that's going to be it for now. I'll, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Let me know what you think of the Diary of Alonzo Typer. I know uh, many of you will probably enjoy the story, but uh, it's it's maybe I'm just feeling a bit of Lovecraft fatigue at this point. And my friend told, told me I should maybe you know you know not do these rereads quite in this way because i i, I get worn out the same thing happened with philip dick i suppose but anyways we're nearing the end so i'm just gonna bear my way through it um but yeah uh i'm looking forward to talking with you about the, in the walls of eric's in the next episode thanks for for listening Day after day, turning away, as much as to say, you've never known me, stranger, after sharing all your kisses.